This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Emerging Tech Series podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and today I am very lucky to be joined by the co-founder and CTO of Newfront, Gordon Wintrow. Gordon, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks, Gavin. Doing well, and thanks so much for having me. Um, it's really great to be here. Yeah, yeah, excited to um, excited to do this one, and I know you're a busy man, so I do appreciate your time. Gordon, before we, we've got a lot to cover on this episode, um, but yeah, a, a great place to start is, 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 I guess, a proper introduction from you. I'll introduce you very briefly. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself and um, in the new front business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Gordon Wintraub. I'm the co-founder and chief technology officer at New Front. Um, at Newfront, we're building the modern insurance brokerage. So we really focus on building a software platform that supercharges uh, the brokers on our team. Uh, we started the company back in July of 2017. So we're coming up on seven years now. And uh, we've scaled really rapidly. So today in, in early 2024, uh, we have over 800 employees um, all across the U.S. Uh, we transact about $3 billion in premiums annually. Um we really have a specialty in uh, tech and life sciences. So we work with about 20% of all U.S. Uh, unicorns, so companies valued at over a billion dollar valuation. Um, but we also have experts in lots of other industries, you know, construction, real estate, manufacturing. Um, these have been big growth areas for us over the past couple of years as the insurance markets have been changing. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um yeah, it's been quite some growth uh, for you and the team in Newfront over the past seven years, as you say. Um, pre uh, Newfront, I'm always interested in the in the whole in the whole picture. You know, would you would you kindly mind taking us back to you know the beginning of of your journey and to well tech as a whole, um, and walking us through the the path that led you to to founding a an insurance brokerage in Newfront. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I, I've been into computers my my whole life. It's kind of been an obsession. Uh, it started with getting one of those Texas Instrument calculators um, when I was, you know, probably ten years old or so. And and when I realized that you could uh, you could program it and make video games, uh, then you know I was off to the races. Um, you know, I, I studied computer science at MIT, um, and after that, I came to the Bay Area. Just felt like this is where it's the center of the universe, right? This is where tech is. And uh, I started another company that went through an accelerator program called Y Combinator. And that was back in 2014. And uh, it was a great experience, great way to meet a lot of amazing people. And we ended up actually selling that business to LinkedIn. 
So I spent a few years at LinkedIn um, working on their jobs product. So building an aggregator to collect jobs data from all over the web and create millions of job postings on, on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, it was when I was there that kind of started to think about what to do next. That was actually when I ended up starting Newfront. And uh, you might be wondering, you know, why, uh, why insurance, right? It's kind of a, I think it's a, a bit of an ugly duckling, right? It's kind of an industry that's been living under a rock. And um, I actually grew up around the insurance industry. So my dad uh, worked at AIG for many years, and that was my exposure to insurance growing up. Interesting. Interesting. And um, it was, was Newfront a YC company? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. We, went through, we went through YC in 2018. So I have the, the rare privilege of going through YC twice with two different companies, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good experience both times. I was going to say, you must be part of the furniture now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's uh, so the reason I, I kind of knew that, but you just uh, uh, missed that the company previous to LinkedIn was um, was YC and um, and yeah, the uh, it must have been at the time. Can I think about it? I've only had one other insured cycle, and it was part of the YC. It must have been one of the first, maybe the first insurance or insured cycle company on the YC program. Maybe not, but. Um, well, there have definitely been others. I think others. What, what made us unique at the time um, was that, you know, our approach of really believing that the broker is very important, thinking about how can we empower the insurance professional? You know, I think at the time, you know, this is back in 2017, there were a lot of companies that were thinking, how do we disintermediate? How do we get rid of the broker? They're, they're a yeah. middle person. And um, I think it was very much a contrarian approach to say, hey, we actually think that this person's really important. They have these amazing relationships with their clients. And we want to, we think they've been really underserved by technology. We want to build a platform that helps them uh, really have a much better experience at work and deliver a better experience to their clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think at the time that was part of the big kind of D to C movement within insurance, you know, less about the brokerage. And now flip it to 2024, that's very much the trend at the moment. I think we see a lot of um, mergers and acquisitions and sales in the kind of broker agent space. So yeah, we we ahead of your time in some ways. And um, I'm always interested in the, I guess, the origin or genesis from, well, maybe you've kind of half answered that and that your, your dad is working for AIG. You've always had exposure to it, maybe been aware of the problems, but... The story of how you met your co-founders, I was interested in, and I guess the post LinkedIn, you know, what made this venture your why in terms of yeah, founding and 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 trying to innovate within the, the broker space. Yeah, um, yeah, like I said, you know, I kind of grown up just hearing about insurance around the dinner table, and I always saw it as this massive thing. Like I remember, you know, going on a a trip to Asia and seeing these, you know, huge skyscrapers that said AIG, I uh, just felt like it touched every part of the, the economy. And um, so when I was at LinkedIn, I met my co-founder Spike just through a mutual friend. And he said, Hey, you're the only two people I know who are interested in insurance, such a weird thing. And, um, you know, Spike's background, he was, uh, he was at Blackstone. He had to buy insurance for some of their portfolio companies. And then he was on the, the founding team of a company called Open Door. And he was their head of finance. So he had to help them with a lot of their uh, their commercial insurance needs. And, um, you know, we started brainstorming and, you know, we wanted to just better understand the market. And we would bounce ideas off my dad. And, and he was the one who said, look, brokers dominate this industry. 
it's all about the insurance expert. You should just go spend time with them. And so we did a lot of interviews. You know, we would uh, we would just cold cold call our cold email brokers and say, "Hey, we want to buy you coffee and you know sit behind your desk and just see what a day in the life is like." And they're kind of like, "You know, no one's ever <laughs> asked me about that. Well, that's kind of weird, but sure." Um, and you know, I remember there there was kind of this light bulb moment. There was this one broker um, named Jerry who's a just kind of a small mom and pop uh, worked at a small mom and pop brokerage in downtown San Francisco. And, uh, I remember just seeing, you know, what's a typical morning, morning like for Jerry. And it was, it was a dumpster fire. It was like a, you know, client call comes in, he has this like, you know, challenging conversation with a client who, um, you know, was going to submit a claim. And so he's kind of talking through the strategy and then he gets off the phone and behind the scenes, he's created this like Rube Goldberg machine where he, you know, gets out like the claim intake notes folder and he like writes some notes and he hands it to his assistant who you know, enters that into the system. Uh, and it was just so clear that, you know, the 20 minutes on the phone with the client was super valuable, but then the next 40 minutes behind the scenes was just a, a waste of time. and something that, you know, any data entry person could do. Um, and it was very clear why we could build something that makes this whole thing a lot better. Mm -hmm. And kind of fast forwarding, um, I was stalking you on, on LinkedIn a little bit, pretty am ahead of this podcast and, and a, you know, one of the kind of accolades, which is, I guess, more of an honour, you know, in the big, the grand scheme of things doesn't mean, you know, huge amount, but it's, it's a great honour, you know, in terms of being a YC top company associated with names like Airbnb and Coinbase, you know, <laughs> I probably guess the answer to this, but did you anticipate the kind of scale and impact that New Front would have when you first embarked on this journey like did you feel like it could go, get to the levels that it's gotten to or you know how do you feel about the achievements kind of going back seven years to, to today um yeah i appreciate the question i i think the uh it's definitely a little bit surreal day to day um yeah. you know especially having such an amazing team of you know hundreds of colleagues who uh, have a lot more experience a lot more knowledge than me and and just kind of seeing the things that they can accomplish, which is stuff that, you know, me and Spike never would have been able to do early on. Uh, it's, you know, I, I love that. I love seeing, um, you know, the team kind of just cranking on, on all cylinders. Um, so, it, it, you know, it is a little surreal, uh, but that being said, we're just getting started. It feels like we have a, you know, still a lot of opportunity ahead of us. Mm. And, you know, you've talked about setting down with, uh, brokers and, and I think that aspect of, of getting the feedback and seeing day-to-day -day of, of Jerry as an example mm -hmm. um, do you feel like the time that you entered the market is is maybe one of the, the big reasons as to why you became so big you know sometimes it's yes not just about timing of course you know there's more to it than that but like what do you think it is that that has that has been the reason for you know the brokers for for you for basically new front in this space to to have taken off is it you know down to the what do you think it is technology like what's your kind of what's your take on why it's just went oh, you know over the last seven years yeah i do i do think that um we definitely made a, a contrarian bet that was the right one in 2017 and that really helped us grow rapidly you know this idea of attracting yeah. the best insurance talent and combining them with the the best technologists, you know, makes something really special. Um, 
in terms of why people join us, I think it's really two things. I think one is the technology. It's the idea that, you know, they're used to working on these legacy systems that are often private equity owned and mm -hmm. um, really crummy. I mean, nothing like what you experience in, you know, really any other part of the the back office. Um, and then the other piece uh, that I think we we maybe undervalued early on or didn't really fully appreciate is, is culture. You know, I think the, um, you know, in Silicon Valley, the idea of build, building a very much a, a sort of mission-driven organization that treats its employees really well and thinks about, you know, what is the impact we're having on the world? That's maybe a little bit more commonplace. And um, I would say in other industries, maybe outside of the Bay Area, people don't don't focus on that as much. And so building a place where people actually want to come to work and, you know, do the some of the best work of their careers that that's a pretty powerful thing that becomes a big compounding advantage over time as you bring more and more talent to to new front. Mm. What, what do you think the greatest um, levers have been for you in terms of from a technology standpoint to the business's success? You mentioned a couple of things as to why people join uh, new front and technology being one of the things when you kind of look again over the past few years like what do you think those levers have been from a, a technology standpoint that have really stood out to to the market um well it's it's interesting when we started we were very much focused internally thinking about um building our platform you know we call it a system of action so it's the idea that it's not just a system of record where you're kind of keeping track of things in a filing cabinet it's actually a system of action where you're you know doing actions in the platform. And so if you think about within, you know, our business insurance uh, practice, we've mapped out hundreds of these workflows, you know, everything from the processing a broker record letter, uh, gathering loss runs from, from different carriers, uh, submitting a quote to, uh, to an insurer. Um, you know, we've mapped out all these different processes and streamlined them in the product. I, I think what we've found is that's less of a lever for, attracting talent like it's it's great it helps us operate more effectively and um deliver a, a more consistent higher quality experience but i think what people get excited about is what are we actually doing for our clients so things that gets in front of our clients and gives them a better experience when they're when they're dealing with insurance which normally is kind of the last thing on their list and something that they're not too excited to to spend time on mm -hmm. and um you know, we discussed on off camera some things we you know talk about, and I think, I think for me, when we talk about kind of an insurance or insured type, <laughs> technologies get hyped up a little bit in terms of what they can and cannot help insurers or, um, you know, from brokers to carriers what they can achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, when we think about AI, um, in the in the context of insurance, you know. The breakthrough in AI, generative AI, ChatGPT in the last 12 months, you know, has been quite something to watch. But from an insurance perspective, personally, I feel there, there is obvious limitations as to where we can go with it right now. But, you know, that breakthrough in AI from, from your side and, and at Newfront, how is, is that is that fundamentally changing in some way? What Newfront is building for insurance going forward? Or is it simply just advancing what you wanted to do, you know, quicker? Um, it's a good question. I think I think what you're getting at is that distinction between is it kind of accelerating what you're already doing or are you doing something brand new uh, yeah. different? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um 
what's kind of cool is it the answer is it, it, it's doing both mm -hmm. um you know we did a hackathon in in early 2023 and we said hey let's there's so much cool stuff happening with ai this is the ai hackathon like everything has to be ai related um and what we found is that in some parts of our roadmap it was it was an accelerant it was kind of like hey we um previously had a certain way of parsing quote documents but now we think that we can we can expand that to 10 times the number of document types and do it way faster and and have it uh just be way uh way more comprehensive in what we're parsing out of those documents um so it helped us you know kind of run faster at that problem but in other areas it's really given us um it's helped us build new products for clients that we we never had before so like one really good example is um in our employee benefits business uh, we've built an ai powered chatbot called our benefits assistant and so this lives in our client slack instances um and it answers employee questions so if an employee has a question of anything hr or um benefits related uh, that that chatbot is trained on their specific um, benefits program and all of those documents and it can answer questions so it actually it unlocks a, a client facing experience that we we never would have had without generative ai mm. what i kind of liked about those examples is that they're very specific in terms of where you can apply ai sometimes i think when we talk about and um, what ai can can do across the whole insurance piece uh, I think we overest. I think we overestimate what it can do, but I think we underestimate how powerful it can be for one specific thing. Like you mentioned, a few examples there. Like with regards to to Gen to Gen AI, how that can change the broking space. Like I always just kind of think to myself, from a day to day perspective, uh, in the life of a broker, what Gen AI can actually do to to change their day to day and impact the broker or the end customer and, and the insured because again I'm, I'm i'm probably somewhat um cynical about how much it can achieve in the insurance space right now given we're so risk averse and and there's there is still a bit of tabooness to using ai and letting it basically letting it go wild within the insurance space that do you have any kind of thoughts on examples of how as I say, Jenny, I can change the kind of day-to-day -day of a broker, given that you work so closely with them. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, if you think about every, um, you know, there's so many workflows within an insurance brokerage. And I guess if I start by just kind of zooming out and thinking about how do we, mm. how do we sort of model the brokerage, um, it's really this data processing factory, right, where you have unstructured data about risk that's on one side, that's, you know, information from our clients about, their what kind of businesses do they operate what are their revenues how many employees do they have where are they based that sort of thing and then on the other side of this factory you have the insurance markets which are also dealing with all sorts of unstructured data and you know it's our job to kind of take in information on one side translate it repackage it so that the other side can can do something useful with it and then go back and forth and Generative AI makes that translation process way, way faster. Um, it's really good at seeing just a few examples and being able to learn, oh, I understand how uh, when a client is talking about this sort of thing, what they really mean is like they need this kind of limit over here. And, um, yeah. you know, like, for example, parsing those, uh, you know, quote documents or 
loss runs, which are really just lists of claims, um, it's really good at, at uh, you know, being able to deal with that sort of unstructured data. Mm. In terms of kind of GNI and, and, and LLMs, is it, a, is it a, a fundamental difference in the two for you? Um, well, generative AI is kind of this, uh, you know, maybe kind of new wave of, of innovation yeah. that I, I do think is pretty, um, pretty revolutionary and just how, uh, how quickly it's, it's changing and how it's really bringing the, the cost of intelligence down really rapidly. Right. I mean, if you've played with chat GPT at all over the past year, it suddenly you have this, uh, you know, what started off as kind of a toy is now like a, maybe a pretty good intern. Um, and you yeah. really see it improving and it's like, wow, if you draw that, um, that trajectory and think about where it's heading, it's going to get, it's going to get pretty wild. Um, you know, that being said, there's still more traditional AI approaches that, uh, that are really powerful in the, in the brokerage context. So one good example, um, you know, we deal with a lot of, uh, DNO directors and officers insurance, mm -hmm. and, um, we've actually built an ML model that helps our clients predict um, what sort of DNO exposure might they have, what sort of claims might they see uh, in the upcoming year. And that's not using generative AI, it's using more traditional ML techniques. Um, but it's something where, you know, when a, when a broker is going and presenting that to a, a CFO or general counsel, they're not talking so much about the AI or what's the underlying AI technology. They're saying, hey, you know, this is, we've been able to predict what we think your losses might look like, how might we want to change the program structure? Do you maybe need additional limits? Is there maybe an opportunity for cost savings? So it's more about helping uh, bringing some some transparency and some data to clients in a way that they they haven't gotten before. Yeah. Yeah, that's really probably a basic question, but the reason to ask is that I, I sometimes decipher between the two from an insurance perspective. I kind of look at, I've said this before, Kind of look at Jenny I as the tortoise and uh, sort of the the hare, and I look at LLMs as the as the tortoise potentially. But I, I just I feel like Jenny is now from an insurance perspective that's allowed the industry to see where AI can be applicable. But I do think that the advancements of LLMs is is the thing that's going to benefit the insurance space the most, if that makes sense. Um, but in terms of kind of moving on to another area, you know, when it comes to obviously you guys in InsureTech, seven years, I think we're quite obsessed by talking about an insurance, you know, incumbents versus startups, you know, incumbents, mm -hmm. who's, go, who's going to, to win. And I don't necessarily, I, I definitely don't think that. I think it is a, an ecosystem partnership. But if we were speaking competitively, you know, do you feel like in terms of insurance incumbents, is, do you, are you seeing much on your side in terms of how they are ever increasing that, you know, ever increasing the use of that, of the LLM models to gain a competitive advantage over startups? Or do you just see it again as being a bit of a, an equalizer between the two? I, I definitely think it's something that, um, you know, where incumbents have the advantage. You know, the, the reality is, you know, insurance brokerages like Newfront have a just a treasure trove of data, right? Just years of of data that can help train and fine tune models, um, and definitely gives us a, an advantage. You know, that being said, I think that the um, 
you know, maybe the more traditional incumbents, the ones that have just been doing it the same old way for, for decades are in a tough spot because they might not even have a system or they have a system that's very poorly implemented where it's kind of just a dumping ground for a bunch of different files and they can't really make sense of it. I mean, we have competitors who remember at the start of uh, COVID, they had things locked away in filing cabinets and they had to have employees, you know, rush into the office and unscrew filing cabinets off the walls. And so, you know, even if they theoretically have uh, a data advantage, it's really hard for them to, you know, deal with that sort of ecosystem and getting that information into the uh, LLMs in a way that's, that's useful for them. Mm. And the, the carriers or incumbents that, that are adopting that digital first mentality, like how is it or why is it do you feel they potentially do have a, an advantage over the startups and harnessing the AI um, and other elements of, of emerging technologies? Yeah, well, the, um, you know, these models are really good intelligence engines. Like they can, they can take sort of anything you throw at them and sort of make sense of it, but their general purpose, right? If you use ChatGPT, it can answer questions about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have that sort of domain specific information that's, um, you know, not, not publicly available around the insurance industry and uh, insurance data model. You know, when I think about our platform, you know, what makes it so powerful is we, we have the, we have the expert in the loop, right? If this expert is working in a system of action and, you know, taking actions and processing different client requests, they're able to kind of oversee what's happening. So an LLM might make a suggestion and say, oh, like, you know, as you drag in this document, we've parsed out the limit information. And the expert might say, oh, like, this is right, but actually the way that you've built the tower here, that's not what I expected and they'll make a change. And so with every transaction, right, thousands and thousands of quotes, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of policies flowing through our platform, we're getting better and better um, you know, better structured data that can be used to make the AI even smarter and and deliver a better client experience. Mm. I mean, how do you kind of feel generally about AI at the moment? Do you feel like it is something that in terms of ChatGPT, because you're right, you know, a year ago, ChatGPT came out, it completely um, transformed the way people think about AI and, and where it is. I mean, I use it day to day, you know, it is literally like an assistant to me. Um, it's a fantastic tool, but where, how do you feel generally where we are as a, with the AI at the moment? Do you feel comfortable with it? Do you feel maybe a little bit scared? <laughs> I don't know, but um, just always kind of interested in people like yourself who are so embedded in it, and you know, particularly yourself being in the Bay Area, um, as you say, it's the kind of epicenter of, of tech. Like, what's your general consensus on it at the moment? Um. Well, personally, I'm I'm definitely a, an optimist. I, I'm excited about new technologies. I mean, I think the, the opportunities in, in insurance and really every part of the economy are just just insane. I think that we're going to see this is a just a step step function change in uh, in innovation. Um, I, I also recognize that there are a lot of challenges. I kind of think about it like, you know, with every technology, every new technology, there's some you know, kind of mal- malicious usage. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. about like, you know, when, when man created fire, well, then you had the opportunity for arson, right? Which never would have existed yeah. before. And um, I think there's gonna be a lot of crazy stuff uh, from LLMs. For the insurance industry and, you know, kind of 
speaking less abstract and more specific, um, I do think we need to figure out a lot of the challenges around data governance and privacy. Mm -hmm. um, like with that benefits assistant that we're building, um, it works really nicely uh, for kind of general general purpose benefits questions that an employee might ask, like, you know, hey, I, I need to buy a new pair of prescription sunglasses. Uh, what's the deductible? You know, no one, uh, you, you'd feel happy if, you know, if that was out publicly on the internet. On the flip side, though, if you had a question, maybe you're going through a difficult divorce or you have mental health challenges or some other reason why you're, um, you need help from your HR team or your employee benefits, thinking through, well, how is the, how should the model uh, reply to those situations? How do you make sure that data isn't getting shared between people who shouldn't have access to it? Uh, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of challenges in, in data privacy and security. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a specific example that's, that's always going, I think that will forever be the challenge and it's just how we overcome come that, you know, down to, I think the regulations certainly across the EU make for it, for insurance companies to adopt more. However, and I think that's always going to be a challenge, but you know, the reticence, I sometimes feel like, and it's just a feeling it's not based on anything, but you know, I don't know if you've managed to see the, um, the new, I forget the name of it, uh, the text-to-video converter. Have you seen it, Sora? Um, oh, yeah, text-to-video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, amazing tool. But it's it's kind of like when when people, so we think about, I think it's too special to a role, you know, underwriters, claim specialists. I don't think it can, I'm not one of those people that thinks it can replace those people. However, when you see stuff like that coming out, you know, I just feel like that reticence to continuing to adopt and train it and and update the models and and go all in for AI. I just sometimes wonder if there is a bit of reticence because it 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 just seems incredibly staggeringly clever and quick at learning. So therefore, is it trying to control AI um, as opposed to really opening the floodgates to it? You know, but. Yeah, just just as I say, not really a question, just more of a feeling as to, um, yeah, can we really take advantage of the the capabilities of AI insurance? Yeah, it's um, no, I hear you when you see that you're kind of like, wow, this is sorry, my dog just came stampeding in here. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> when you uh, when you see stuff like that, you think, wow, maybe this is kind of scary. I see where this is heading, and yeah. you know, do I? you know, what's going to happen to me. Um, I, I think the reality is that you can't just put your, your head in the sand, right? Like this is, um, th this is a wave that's happening and it's all about how do we leverage and sort of harness these technologies for good. Um, why I, I like our industry and, and the insurance brokerage space in particular is that even with all this AI innovation, that, the client relationship is so special, like really the, um, you know, this is an industry that's been built on those relationships where people have been working with the same insurance expert who's really like their, their risk manager, their, their, um, the person who can look around corners and, and help them think through these challenges for many years. Mm -hmm. And so even if behind the scenes, um, that person is leveraging tons of artificial intelligence to process documents, uh, you know, understand data, um, and, and deliver things quickly, they still want that expert to, you know, actually give them recommendations and give them advice. And so I don't, I don't see that going away for a really long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100% agree. I often think, you know, when it comes to if we're talking about claims, for example, in the insurance process, you know, small claims, large claims, it's almost a question of the more we adopt AI, it's the question of when is it the right time to introduce the, the human being as part of the, using the claims process as an example. Um, but yeah, I mean, the relationships are just so fundamental to it. And I think, um, yeah, we could probably talk about this for, for another half an hour or so. So um, I'm conscious of your time, uh, Gordon, but one of the things I wanted to unpack um, from a new front perspective was uh, was your culture. And you, again, the scale, quote, connect me from all the 700 plus employees in, in seven years. We actually had a guest on um, this series, uh, CTO Shepherd. I don't know if you know Mo. But um, he, yeah. he was, yeah, he was talking about culture, and you know, he mentioned one of their core values was was along the lines of uh, crossing the aisle, um, and it's really that kind of <laughs> you're smiling there, so I think you know yeah. the kind of intersection of insurance products and engineering people, and then there's that the way he described it was I loved it, you know, the metal in between, but you're crossing the aisle to really bring all of those people together, so you can effectively raise your hand and ask the really simplest, obvious question to what an insurance person may be, but not from an engineering perspective and, and vice versa. You know, I was really interested to know what that, when you started out with your co-founders, what that core value, core cultural value was for you guys that you believe would make New Front a success and was something to to build upon. What was it that 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 value I just mentioned or, but yeah. Yeah, it's, um. I, I mean, I love, uh... I'll have to listen to the podcast with Mo. I'm I'm a big fan. I'm actually an investor in Shepherd. Yeah. I'm really like what they're doing. Um, I you know it's funny. There's some really nice parallels there. So mm. one of our core values is focus on people, and um, it really comes from exactly what you just described, right? This idea of how are you bringing together insurance experts with the technologists and um helping them you know, speak the same language, helping them get on the same page and start pulling in the same direction. We actually have a tradition on our, um, on our product and engineering teams where we call it crossing the aisle. Um, and it's because our, our first office, we just had two rows of desks. There was um, tech on one side and insurance and operations on the other. Mm -hmm. And so if someone had a question, you, know, you could just like swivel your chair and cross that aisle and say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I have a question about how this works in the product and you go help them. Um, it's a little different now with, you know, people joining all across the U S and all over the world, yeah. and, you know, in, in a remote zoom environment, but um, it still works pretty well. So every time a new engineer joins the team, that person spends time shadowing account managers or producers and just seeing what is day in the life, like kind of being a fly on the wall. And mm -hmm. uh, I think some of our best product improvements, I mean, small, you know, quality of life things that stuff that really adds up come from those sessions because you just, yeah. you realize, wait, you, every time you do that, you have to click four different times. I can, you know, I can get rid of that step entirely. And so that's how you get that good partnership and get people working together. Nice. I guess probably you've answered that, that question, but as, as you perfectly put it there, when you're in the Bay Area and you've got your office and people can get up from their desk and walk across, but then you scale to 700 plus people across the US and everyone's effectively fully remote i mean maintaining that type of culture it must be must be very uh challenging to do so and still maintain those those values but for the sounds of it um you've done is you've done a great job of it 
it's definitely a big focus and and we're we're not fully remote so we we absolutely have offices in we have several in the bay area we're have an office in Irvine, Seattle, Chicago, New York, Boston. Um, and I think a lot of those, um, the newer offices are actually the ones that have the best in-person culture because they're like, Hey, I'm, you know, I was the first hire in Chicago and now we have this like awesome space. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's definitely a challenge as we scale, uh, something that kind of, it keeps me up at night to be honest, because I, I just worry that, you know, you lose some of that, uh, secret sauce that you had early mm-hmm. on when you're all in the same room. And so finding, finding ways, um, during the, even the interview process or the onboarding process, uh, to maintain that culture is so important. Mm. And what's, what's been one of the things that this worked for, for you is that you think it's being more hands-on as a, as a CTO, you think it's getting around the offices or across the U S like, what do you feel that it is that's kind of worked for, for you guys to maintain that, that culture? I definitely think finding ways to get together in person, uh, mm-hmm. it helps, you know, just kind of helps, uh, helps you have more of a relationship with people, um, yeah. not have it be so task oriented or work oriented. Um, I, I really think the key thing though, has been part of every interview cycle. We have, um, we have a dedicated values interviewer. So those are folks from across the company who've gone through a training where they sort of been certified to, uh, to interview folks on, on values and culture fit. Yeah. And what's really cool about that is it means that you might be an engineer interviewing a new front and you're talking to someone who works in claims, or you might be, you know, interviewing for as an account executive and you're talking to a product manager. And so yeah. kind of early on in that process, you're realizing, wow, this is a pretty special company that's really different than anywhere else and building some of those, uh, those bonds across the company. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Gordon, just as a kind of finishing note, you know, you guys are at Newfront, the whole team, there's a lot of exciting things, I'm sure, for 2024. Um, but what does that look like for you, you know, personally? What's your aspirations for the future? Is it, you know, continuing to support more and more growth, more headcount, building out new products, IPOing? I, I don't know. What's the kind of... What's the, the ideal next step for you guys? Yeah, well, from a business perspective, you know, we want to keep doing what we're doing, which is just continue to bring amazing insurance talent to Newfront and, and uh, you know, help all of our clients be super successful, regardless of what's happening in the, the macro economy. Um, you know, I'm excited about what's happening with our product. I mean, really seeing some of these AI innovations get into our clients' hands. You know, I mentioned the benefits assistant, we have a very cool um, contract review product uh, that that's kind of currently in sort of a beta testing phase, um, but is already working really nicely. Um, there's you know, three or four other things where we really see how this is going to change the client experience and clients who work with Newfront will have something they can't get anywhere else. And so getting more of this into our clients' hands, you know, that's where I'm, where I'm really focused. Awesome. Well, look, um, Thank you very much for coming on. I think that's a great note to uh, to finish it on. Good luck with the year ahead. Um, and yeah, it's been great to have you. Thanks, Gavin. Really appreciate it.